Hello everybody, welcome to episode 13 of the Fast Get Rewatch podcast. Ooh, lucky number 13! Yeah, lucky. Um, <laughs> this is the episode <laughs> called The Flax, and uh, as usual, I'm Carmel Hats, and joining me is Red Nightmare. Woo! Yeah, and I mean, the reason we say lucky number 13 is some behind the scenes. The, the, the recording for this has not exactly gone to plan. No, we, we've had some uh, hiccups. Yeah. Let's, let's leave it at that. <laughs> but we're here, and it's... Ready to That's go. That's the important part. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, this one. If you remember last week, this is the uh, episode that uh, Red watched out of order by mistake. Yes. And uh, well, I'll get into at some point in the episode where where it's the part where I'm like, okay, this is where it matters that this was out of order. Yeah, because it definitely it definitely does matter. Yes. Um, but yeah, so uh, tell you what, why don't we uh, get in there? So we open up with uh, Aaron and Crichton flying the transport pod and Crichton is basically getting his uh, spaceships for dummies lesson yes. shuttle shuttle 101 <laughs> yeah because he's familiarizing himself with uh, leviathan technology because he outfitted his module with some of it so you know it all makes sense and yep. he's picking it up very very slowly <laughs> yes as Aaron painfully points out yeah he's basically she's not too impressed no she's like even the most dumb recruit would pick this up faster than you. I mean, she also says that if you don't and you fail your final exam, the simulator kills you yeah. at, at Peacekeeper training camp. But, I mean, uh, I keep, again, I keep saying we need to start keeping a list of keep Peacekeepers are assholes, because this could have gone on the list. We're going to run out of space for that. If... <laughs> okay, fair. Believe we me. might actually be doing trees a disservice with that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what uh, Aaron and Crichton are up to, and uh, on Moya... We've got Dargo, Zan, and Rigel, and Rigel is bored. Rigel's being an eight-year-old. He's such a child. He's like, I'm bored. Oh, I oh. want to play a game. Zan, I'm bored. And he's sla- with a sticky slamming on his board, which makes him annoying now. I'm bored. Back uh. home, I had concubines to keep me company. Mom, <laughs> and Zan- I, want cho- I want ice cream. I want ice cream. <laughs> He's really pushing Zan's patience like, oh. as well. It's just like, oh, He's showing massive amounts of restraints. I would have choked the little <laughs> Rigel, you little shit! <laughs> Grab the end of his chair, flip him out of it, toss the chair. Good luck. <laughs> Go pick it up yourself. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, then then we have Dargo come comes in and he's not happy either because Moya is starting surprise. Yeah, because Moya is starting to smell and parts of her are oozing because she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he and like, you know this upsets him because, <laughs> like Leviathans do, they ooze out of their wall, uh, out of the the sleeping quarters walls. I mean, it's like an interior lining for them, I guess. So, I don't know. Leviathan biology is weird, man. <laughs> he can't take it anymore. He's getting very irate about it. <laughs> uh, and so uh, we're back with Aaron and Crichton. You know, they're doing their training and. Uh, Crichton is actually throwing southern metaphors at um, Aaron, who doesn't <laughs> understand them and is very confused. Like, the translator micros must have gotten that one wrong. Yeah, he says, like, slicker than snot. And like, what? <laughs> I mean, even me watching that, I was like, what? No, I didn't get that one either. <laughs> um, but, oh no, they're getting pulled in towards something because oh. they thought they were in a big empty area of space because... They chose that so that Crichton wouldn't hit anything. Yeah. <laughs> but they're being pulled in towards something and there's some sort of energy net around them. Yeah, and it basically it grabs them, shakes the ship uh, on a nice Star Trek. Okay, you're being hit now. Throw yourself. Ah, side to side. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then it just gets stuck in space. Yeah, they say they stop. And say, like, what reference frame? Damn it, I need to know. <laughs> There's no drift, no spin. That's impossible. That doesn't make any sense. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and the sensors say that there's nothing out there, but clearly whatever it is is blocking their view because they can't even see the stars. Mm-hmm. So something's up. And, of course, that is when we get the uh, titles. and I, That's the hook. Yeah. It's like, oh, what's going on here? Oh. Mystery established. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yeah, and when we come back from the titles, Zahn, Rigel, and Dargo are arguing... Because they're all at each other's throats. Because they're all that's grumpy. what they do. I mean, they're ex- I mean, they're really annoying each other uh, this episode. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so <laughs> they're just shouting at each other. And then Pilot comes over the con with a very loud sort of piercing uh, yeah. <laughs> noise. And he's like, and oh, it's... I'm sorry, I must have hit the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> like, very sarcastically, oh, I must have hit the wrong button. <laughs> well, if I have your attention anyway. I love Pilot being passive-aggressive. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> so like good. That. Like, he's still a bit salty about the whole arm chopping off thing. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. But he's alerting them that there is a ship approaching Moya, and it's a little kind of crappy little thing. <laughs> we see it show up, and it's basic. It reminded me a lot of a truck. It's a large, yeah. sort of, looks like two cargo holds. And then just a dingy old uh, piece in the front. That's Tiny little cockpit, yeah. Pulling it. Yeah, and um, so it's asking to come aboard. And Zan says, well, are there any weapons on board? Like, no, yes and no. There's bits of weapons. There's not a whole <laughs> weapon. <laughs> like a trigger here, a barrel there, it's maybe like, a bullet or two. <laughs> it's like, well, hmm. Well, they let, they let the ship on board. And so... Uh, we meet its uh, occupant, the, its lone occupant, who is a Zenitan garbologist named Stans. <laughs> he's a scavenger. Yeah, basically. But I love that he's like, oh, I'm a garbologist. <laughs> yeah, he's, and he's also, um, he's dressed like he's straight out of Mad Max. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, even has the face paint to, to match. And, and the heavy Australian accent. <laughs> I mean, which we we should probably start getting used to that because yeah, but this one this one's really really heavy. Like not even trying to pretend. To I would be surprised if he actually put put it a bit up put a, on a bit more. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but he's played by an actor called Reese Muldoon, um, and he is actually he actually does a really good job with uh, this character. I love this his performance in this character. It's it's very high one note character. Yes. But he plays that one note marvelously. Yeah. And uh, so he's come aboard and says, you need me. You need my help. Um, and, you know, they're not really buying it. They're like, what the hell are you talking why? about? Well, yeah, why? You just show up and you're like, I, you need my Like, we need your help? Like, what's that? And he starts telling them about a thing called the Flax, which is a big energy net that traps ships and they're headed straight for it. And, I mean, because they haven't heard from Crichton and Aaron... Uh, they don't believe him. They're like, no. I mean, we know he's telling the truth. But... Yes, dramatic irony. I think uh -huh. that's called. Um, but uh, he's, they're heading for a what he calls a magna drift mesh. I guess that's what it is. Okay, Seventy-five fine. million zacrons long. Point of order. How, what the hell is a zacron? <laughs> I don't know. Like we've no way of judging that, but whatever. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, can figure it's, out what. It's really, really big. Yes. It's very big, large measurement. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I also like his explanation really sounds like he's bullshitting them because he says, it's invisible to sensors, you can't detect it, and I'm the only one who can help you. He's like, I can see why they would think this is bullshit. Yeah, like, hello, meet my imaginary friend, which only I can see and talk to. Yeah, and you'll need my help, only my help, to get through the thing. Yeah. Like, no. But he says it's put there by Zenitan pirates. And to catch ships, and hmm. Uh, while they're sort of being led around at sword point by Dargo, his Dargo's like, I've never heard of the Flax. And he's like, Well, what species are you? And Luxon? Never heard of them. Doesn't mean you don't exist. <laughs> I mean, good argument. Yeah. <laughs> Space is pretty big, you know. There's plenty of stuff they haven't heard of, right? But so, they're not really buying it. Anyway, no. they, they uh, br bring him into the, uh, I think it's the bridge or command where Rigel is sitting on uh, with his uh, game and still very bored. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Oh, <laughs> kid Rigel. Anyway. And, and so, yeah, Rigel is sitting there with his board game, um, which is a very much like a weird space game. It's got, like, perspex pieces and a light-up board. and Yeah, and it it's basically has two squares divided in five regions, I guess. Center yeah. square and then the edges... The four edges being a sort of square itself, and the game's called Tardek. And he says to uh, uh, Stan, or Stan, Stan's takes an interest in it, and he says, "Oh, do you play?" Says, and then Stan's is like, "I dabble a bit, doing the whole kind of hustling him kind of yeah, thing." Yeah, like I, I, I can't play this game at all, at all but, but I really I... can. And I'm going to take all your money while doing it. And uh, Rigel is like, "Oh, maybe you can give me some pointers." 
also basically doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two con artists that work here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and uh, so then we head back to see Aaron and Crichton, and yeah, they figured out they're not moving, there's no comm signal, but the comms unit is fine, it just can't get out, and the power is drained. So yeah, they can't call Moya, and they can't receive any transmissions either. Nope. And so Zan notices that they've stopped responding, which lends a little bit of credence to what Stans is saying to them. Mm -hmm. And she's wondering what he wants in return for his help. Yeah, and also at this point, Dargo and Zan have been looking into the um, Peacekeeper database that's on board Moya, and Stans is apparently in it. Yeah, and he finds out, yeah, he's got a criminal record, he may not be trustworthy, and so Dargo wants him off the ship. And Zan's like, well... Aren't we also in that record? It's actually interesting, because Zan asks Dargo, well, what lies about you that they put in there? Not everything in that database is to be trusted. And then Dargo mentions, like, well, not everybody in that database is innocent. Yeah, Zan. Which, I mean, he doesn't say Zan, but... I mean, come on, it's implied. It's, it's very heavily implied. No, like, that's... And, I mean, the, the interesting bit is... This would have make it wouldn't have made a lot of sense. Also, Zan's uh, troubled response to this uh, comment wouldn't make a lot of sense if you hadn't seen Rhapsody in Blue yet. Exactly, and that's why it's important to watch Rhapsody in Blue first and not the other way around. It's not the reason I think the order is important. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that one later. <laughs> yeah, this think... is also important. I agree. Yeah, this we probably we... better the more important one. Yeah, we mentioned this when we sort of were comparing notes. It's like, oh. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had different scenes in mind. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but yeah, there, there you go. It's sort of turned around on Zan. And yeah, Dargo once stands off the ship and doesn't want uh, his help. Mm -hmm. And so we see Stans and Rigel playing Tardek, playing their board game. And he's like, I got you right where I want, it, want you. And then Dargo interrupts and grabs, yeah. <laughs> and grabs Stans by the throat and lifts him up. He's like, why do you have a criminal record? Look, <laughs> I... I never robbed anybody in my life. Well, not anymore. Look, I got a whole list of names to vouch for me. Well, a couple of names. Uh, <laughs> I love like, that. He's like saying one thing and then she's like correcting it honestly downwards. Yeah, it's, it's a, like we said, he does a really good job uh, acting yes. this character and it's, yeah, it's really fun. And then so Stan says he did, he used to be a pirate, but not anymore. Yeah, and, um, you can prove it. And then he drops his pants. <laughs> I predicted this hey. episode to go, but I call it anyway. <laughs> Somebody dropped their pants. <laughs> yeah, he dropped his pants because there are murals or like tattoos or whatever on his leg from being in prison. Yeah. And that's his kind of proof that uh, he's not I mean, a pirate anymore. He basically left him to rot last time. Yeah. And um, also in this scene, Rigel kind of gives him a look up and down. And gets uh, slightly confused because he says, uh, where are your, uh, you know... Your things? <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? And Zan's like, well, for a bipedal humanoid species, you seem to be missing some parts. <laughs> and he just says, well, you know, our species isn't made from the standard mold. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> all right, okay. He has no penis. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Uh, and we're back with Aaron and Crichton. Uh, they haven't been able to get any signal out, but what they've done is they've launched a little message boy, like a little thing to go out and transmit a message. Yeah, they managed to get that out of the net, I guess. Mm. And Crichton's got some power back on, and they're, they're trying to figure a way out of this. We're cutting back and forth, basically, between Moya and uh, the transport pod at this point. Mm -hmm. And so back on Moya, Dargo has noticed that Stance is wearing Lux and boots. Mm. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah. So Dargo's not happy about this. And and as such, throws Stance in a cell, saying a Luxon wouldn't leave his boots unless he was dead. It's like, don't, I was. Don't, do, do you sleep in? It's like, no, wait, do you sleep in your boots? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't sleep in his boots. He keeps them very close to his chest as he sucks his thumb on this pillow. <laughs> it's just this weird, like, warrior race guy stuff of, like, I don't leave my boots anywhere. I have to wear them all the time. <laughs> but Stan says, well, I, d I didn't kill him. He was already dead. And Doug is like, oh, so you looted a corpse then? It's like, ah, I, mm, 
Yes. I mean, I think he says, like, yes, that's exactly what I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then Dargo, Detective Dargo, has figured this something out here, because if you've got Luxon boots, then you must have got them from a Luxon on a Luxon ship. That makes sense. Somewhere nearby. says, if you take me to the Luxon ship, I'll give you everything on Moya. And it's like, um, excuse me, Darko? What? I mean, what Stans does know is that there's basically nothing on Moya, apart from some food, food, cubes. food cubes, yeah. Like, that's still relevant. <laughs> but yeah, Dargo really wants uh, to get to the Luxon ship to get some fibers. I think he says mem fibers? It's not entirely clear, but it sounds yeah. like they're like memory fibers which have maps in them to lead yeah. him home, basically. Also, back on the ship, uh, on the shuttle with um, Aaron and Crichton, actually, I want to point something out, because uh, in this point, uh, at this point, they get talking about, well, can't you repair your own ship? Don't you get basic maintenance of your ship? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. And she's like, no, we're just trained to take somebody else's ship by force? Yes. I mean, this this goes back to last week where we talked about uh, her not being able to reassemble her rifle and we thinking, like, okay, that's probably because of the mind control yeah. blocking those memories. I'm not entirely sure if she could have done it if she wanted to. Well, yeah, it's weird because, I mean, this seems like a really bad way to train people. Like, Like, they're not given any kind of training for what happens if something goes wrong. It's like, well, that's not my job. I'm not a tech. No. Also, the other part is like, can they fly other ships? I mean, maybe they're trained in how to fly a bunch of different ships, but I oh. mean, or they, or they point a gun at someone's head and says like, fly me out of here. <laughs> I know. That, that sounds like the Peacekeeper way. Yeah. Not, you know, sensible training like how to do basic repairs. No. <laughs> Steal someone else's ship. Because hopefully you landed next to somebody. Damn it, Jim, I'm a peacekeeper, not a mechanic. Basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, but, so they're trying to, but so Aaron and Crichton are actually trying to break free again. And it goes wrong and there's a sort of backlash from it. And some more bits fall over and pin uh, Aaron to the ground. Yeah. And so, like, she's like, hand me that axe. <laughs> and he's like, what for? So like to cut my own leg off. <laughs> like it doesn't come to that, but like she like levers the thing I, off. I kind of felt that she was making a joke out of that one, being like, "Yeah, I'll cut my own leg off," <laughs> because that's what you think about about us people. Oh, damn it! <laughs> but good news: the message boy worked, and Zan has received the message. Um, and so they know that Stans is telling the truth about the flax. Yes. Um, but Dargo says he and Stans are leaving on Stans's vessel. To go after Aaron Crichton. Yeah. But he doesn't mention the sh- Luxon ship that he's also going after first. Mm. Yeah. Sneaky Dargo. Yeah. What happened to all that honor crap, man? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Zan and Rigel are his allies. He can lie to his allies. He's not allowed to lie to his enemies. <sighs> mm. <laughs> this is how I play my character. <laughs> So yeah, they hop aboard uh, Stans' ship and get ready to go. Um, and let's just actually talk for a minute about Stans' ship. Oh god. Because we see the interior of it and it's... Oh, it's, this... it's a Doctor Who ship. I'm very sorry, but it really reminded me of the David Tennant era TARDIS. Yeah, it's all very sort of grungy and there are bits of machinery all over the and place. The control panel is placed like a circle. Yep, and he has to hit things with a hammer to make them work properly. It's sort of really dark and uh, worn, and just it looks like it's filled with junk because, I mean, let's be it honest, is. it is, yeah. <laughs> At one point, he says to Dargo, okay, we need to put some stuff in this furnace so that we can, so that we can actually get out of here. It's like, here, take these uh, green alien dolls and throw them in there. I like that he says, like, he opens, he opens the oven, he grabs one of those things, like, Look, look at the. I'm a, I'm a garbologist. Look at these things. Got seven million of them. They talk, they float, they, uh, they sing, they dance. One day I'm going to make a million of them for us into the oven. They also burn very well. <laughs> yeah, and he's like running around and like fiddling with things. And like the main controls for it are like there's a. Uh, like a tube? Like a tube which he sort of reaches into and is pulling levers back and forth within there. Like sort of almost like pumping like an air pump inside of it or something. Mm-hmm. To try and make it go, <laughs> and it's it's just really got this feeling. Oh, it's so good. Of like yeah, being a 
made out of totally made out of junk. And this set is actually really impressive. It's like mm-hmm. it's really well uh, decorated, and it's got like uh, tubing hanging down from above, and just smoke and steam coming out everywhere. It's really involved for something that apparently is only going to show up for one episode. I know. Maybe they'll get some more use out of it another time. I hope. I hope so. <laughs> but yeah, it's oh, it's such a good set, and and so Dargo and Stans head off in the in the ship, and the idea is that they're going to go to the Luxon ship. And only spend about an arm or an hour on there, and then go and get uh, Aaron and Crichton. Yeah, because Stan says, "Look, it's uh, it's a small shuttle pod. It's nowhere on the list to be uh, scrapped yet. So we have the time. There, there's no hurry to go to them." But they also have another problem in that there is the pirate leader. They they spot another ship uh, nearby, and they have to hide from them. And mm-hmm. it turns out that it's the leader of the Zenitan pirates called Krakich. Crackage, yeah. Yeah, crackage. And apparently Stans, when he got out of prison, broke out of prison, apparently took some stuff from Crackage and his buddies. So Yeah, so they're not on good terms, let's put it that way. No. Uh, but uh, they managed to avoid Crackage's ship uh, by going kind of through the flax a bit. And um, uh, Crackage, is, Crackage is actually heading for Boya. So he calls back like, okay, they've never seen me, they've never known me, just distract them. <laughs> and Zan's like, okay, we will endeavor to distract him. Hangs up, looks over to Rigel, who at this point is high as a kite. Oh, God, he's been yeah. smoking something that looks like a water pipe or something. Yeah, this and whole time, and he's just like, oh, uh, yeah, what? He's <laughs> like, yeah, I'll help. And I'll Zan's help. like, I'll endeavor to distract them. <laughs> <sighs> Zan is 100% done with this shit. <laughs> Basically, yes. that's, basically, that's basically the vibe she's giving off. Uh, <laughs> but then Crackage comes aboard and um, and says, you know, "We are you know, welcome and uh, welcome guests." And he says, he basically straight up lets them know that don't worry, I'm not going to try and take your Leviathan because it's pregnant. <laughs> and the last idiot that tried to board the pregnant Leviathan lost fifty men. It's like, oh, all right, okay, no, that's fair. Yeah, good to know. Don't, a don't. mother will protect her children, Sam points out. Exactly. Yeah, don't fuck with the pregnant Leviathan. Apparently not. And then, of course, Crackage mentions that he's looking for stands, mm-hmm. and never, you know, Zan's never heard of him. Nope. You know. Nope. Nope. Oh, and uh, by the way, this is Rigel. How Rigel is 16th. Well, the foggery. <laughs> That's basically his response. <laughs> he's like so I high, looking at him like. Straight face for that one. <laughs> He's like, who the frell are you? <laughs> and Zan's just like, like what? Oh, she God, comes no. this close to face palming. It's just yeah. like, oh no, like, Rigel, no. <laughs> I like the crackers is like, oh, oh, do you play? Fuck, burn are you? <laughs> He's way too, high, way too high for this. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I could beat you. My eyes closed. It's like, well, let's play then. Uh, I think we can add to the goddammit Rigel count now. <laughs> I think that takes us up to four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rigel, no, what are you doing? Um, right. A high puppet, though, is looks very funny. Oh, yeah, they do a really good job uh, animating him just being <laughs> stoned out of his mind, <laughs> basically. Oh, like the, so I think, like, the slow blinking and, like, the, you know, uh... Slower yeah. head movements. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And then back with Aaron and Crichton. They're still trying to do a bunch of repairs to the module. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've run into an issue that uh, the environmentals have been damaged. And yeah. they need to, but they need to weld things back together. Uh, but the problem is that the environmentals are now leaking pure oxygen into the uh, cabin. So yeah. if they get out the gas torch, then basically they're going to uh, set everything on fire. The whole place goes up, and I wasn't entirely sure how this works. I mean, pure oxygen is heavily combustible, and the more of it that you have, like you're just going to cause runaway fires. But is is oxygen it the fuel source itself? No, the, I mean the fuel source is um, all the stuff around you. <laughs> like, oh like, right, because 
as you add more oxygen, more things suddenly are able to catch fire. Yeah, basically. And, like, oxyacetylene torches, um, which are used for welding, do have, like, a stream of pure oxygen to get the flame hot enough mm-hmm. to actually do uh, to actually melt steel and so oh, on. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah, if you fill the cabin full of pure oxygen and light a fire in there, it's not going to go well. <laughs> Everything suddenly becomes hot enough to actually burn metal. And then it explodes. <laughs> so... Yeah. Okay, okay, that... Let's that not do that. straight on that one. <laughs> I also like that at this point, Aaron and Crichton... I think it's Crichton points out, like... I mean, we could also just wait until we're rescued and they exchanged looks. Okay, we need to get to work now. <laughs> also, in, in trying to fix the module, at one point, um, they get knocked down to the floor, Aaron does, and um, well, well I mean, Crichton pushes her out of the way of some tubing that's falling down yeah. to her head. And so she ends up on the floor, and Crichton is kind of just a bit, like, over her. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he's basically, as he saved her, he ended on top of her, and she's like, are you comfy? Do you want a pillow? <laughs> yeah, it's getting a little close in there. <laughs> yeah. Also, I like to point out that the tubing that falls down, remember that tubing, because it's, it's the other guest star of this episode. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, but what are they going to do? They can't uh, get the welding torch out. They can't wait to be rescued because that's not going to go well. So mm-hmm. what they decide to do is depressurize the... Uh, the cabin, so that they're working in vacuum, put on their spacesuits, do the welding, and then flood it back up again with uh, air and try and fix some more stuff. Yeah, it's Aaron's idea, and it's a good one. Yeah, it's a pretty good plan. Like, it definitely would work. There's a slight problem. Yeah. One of the spacesuits is broken. Mm-hmm. Like, the helmet on one of them has shattered. Yeah. So, yeah, only one person can actually do it. The other person is kind of shit out of luck, really. Yeah, great. One pe- one person lives, one person dies. And, and we also don't they don't even get a chance to make that horrible choice because the suit that isn't broken, or the helmet that isn't broken, is Aaron's, and it's not going to fit John's suit. So okay, so they mentioned this because first they were uh, uh, looking to basically use a. Injector that uh, induces death for peacekeepers, and also um, uh, a solution that you can inject into it, uh, into them to revive them again. Yeah, just to mention that up front. But how the hell did John get a peacekeeper uh, custom-made suit? Because this is clearly the same suit Aaron was wearing in the pilot. I mean, mm, I mean, if it it's, custom fit for him. I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily custom fit. So here's what I think. It, it seems reasonably likely to me that either in uh, Aaron's Prowler or more likely somewhere aboard Moya in her stores, there is a set of like spare Peacekeeper suits. Oh, and that one that specifically and that's like, happens to fit him. It's like maybe Aaron has a medium one and he has a large one. That makes sense. It's like something, probably something like that simple. Um, yeah, no, that makes sense. So yeah, like the helmet is a slightly different size so it won't fit on... I mean, what it really is, is a way to create even more dramatic tension in this episode. Of course, but (laughs) But, um, it was just one of those points I'm like, wait, how did they get that? They do look very similar. They do look almost identical. This this explanation makes sense. Okay. So, yeah, they're going to have to put... um, uh, They're basically going to have to kill Crichton and then revive him afterwards. And hope that the stuff that's supposed to revive a peacekeeper also works on humans. And, yeah, Crichton is not convinced by this, and you know, I wouldn't be either. <laughs> like, no, fair. Because fair. peacekeepers and humans are similar, obviously, but they are very different in some ways that we've already seen, like heat delirium and uh, stuff like that. So Crichton is like, okay, if that doesn't work, you need to do CPR. So he teaches Aaron how to do that. And she finds it incredibly primitive, and she doesn't have. She's like, I don't have time for this. And he's, John's like, Well, I do. It's like. Yeah, I'm not going to take any chances because I don't want to die. <laughs> I'd like to just stay the hell alive. Yeah, and like I said, I'm with I'm with John on this. Like, yeah, same here. I'm in the sense. same camp. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, that's what they're planning to do. Which, whew, uh, that's going to be a hell of a thing. Uh, back on Moya, by the way, uh, Rigel and is playing Crackage uh, on the mm. game of on uh, their on his uh, game board. 
And, oh, turns out Crackage is actually pretty good at it. Yeah. At some point, actually, the way you play it is you have something that looks like well, a stick, a forked stick that you use to move the pieces. And, and while you're doing it, you have to put your hand on what looks like a Tesla ball. Uh, yeah, like a... Yeah, it's like a plasma ball, Tesla ball thing. You have to put your hand on that plasma ball when you um, move with the stick. And he actually gets shocked, which apparently means he made an illegal move, I guess, or something. This yeah. never gets explained. No. I mean, it would. It, it's not really necessary. It's just like, is he doing well or badly? Like, well, he's doing badly, apparently. Yeah, and Crackage is kind of kicking his ass at this. And then he does something interesting. He uses a move that... Uh, stance used against him earlier. Yeah, he picked it up from uh, from that, and and Crackage recognizes it. It's like, yeah. where did you learn that? And he says, oh. Oh, all of myself. I know somebody else who does that move, who uses that move. Good oh, for you. I love Rachel's response. Like, good for you. <laughs> I love that response. Yeah. Oh, typical Rachel. Yeah. Um. And, and again, meanwhile, throughout all of this, Zan is just kind of silently losing her mind in I the mean, background. If she, if she had it, she'd be tearing her hairs out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, no, Rigel, please, no. Rigel, why? No, no. No. Um, and he's, so he's, he's lost several games, basically. He's been wagering stuff at Crackage. And I mean, he's been losing. Uh, he's either been losing, or he's, or or you need to up the stakes as you're playing the game. Uh, yeah. I think that's actually it. I think Cracky says, uh, or someone, they says, right, one more game, we'll go again. So okay, so could, so okay, could be uh, that. Yeah, and he's gonna up the stakes. He's yeah, gonna he's wager <laughs> Moya. <laughs> and I like, and Jazz like, no, what are you doing? And l- luckily. Crackage just says, I don't want your ship. No. Like, I've talked about this. I'm not, ta- I'm not trying to take over the pregnant Leviathan. That's a bad idea. But he is prepared to take the information of where Stans is. Actually, Rigel, sorry, Rigel offers that one up. Yeah. And he's like, oh shit, now the, yeah. the jig is up. <laughs> it's like, damn it, Rigel. Oh. And at this point... It's like, the he's uh, like, no, no, I, I, I'll tell you, Stan's location. <laughs> oh shit, we're in trouble now. <laughs> oh, oh no. And then we cut away because, of course, we because do. I mean that's that's dramatic tension one hundred and one. That is, uh-huh. it's like boom, um, and we're back with Crichton and Aaron, um, trying to figure out what to do, and so. Basically, Crichton has told Aaron she's got four minutes before he dies. So once they do the uh, injection to uh, kill him, he's got four minutes. Or the injection to, I guess, like stop his heart or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I guess, not s- technically kill him, because I mean, they revive. Yeah. It. Because um, the idea is, I think, you stop the heart, and he's got four minutes before there's enough brain damage or whatever it is that he can't be revived again. Yeah, what I, what I got from this is that what they want to do is stop his heart so his lungs also stop working so he doesn't uh, destroy his um, uh, lungs in a vacuum. It doesn't actually make that much sense. Yeah, thinking about it now, like being exposed to vacuum it has a whole list of other problems. <laughs> Basically, being exposed to vacuum is really bad for you. And even if, even if they were like, well, we, we want to make sure that you don't die from the vacuum that doesn't get better or worse when he's dead yeah those chances don't go up or down i mean he's <laughs> he's gonna die as quickly as the other one in this case he can't hold his breath yeah um i think although what you want to do when you're being exposed to vacuum uh it's the same as uh deep diving in that you exhale yeah, yeah that, so that you don't have all the pressure of the air inside of you trying to get out mm-hmm. um uh, but yeah, maybe it's because if he just gets depressurized, there'll be more shock. Whereas with the medically induced thing, it doesn't do that. that I, I don't. That could be it. There, there's a few holes in this, um, mm. but that's what they got to do. So uh, before they actually do it, he's asking Aaron about whether or not Sebations believe in an afterlife because people on Earth do. Well, some people on Earth. Well, some people believe different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, tell, and he tells her that some humans believe in different versions of an afterlife, and she tells him that Sebastians don't really believe in anything. If you die, you're dead, you're gone, and that's it. Yep. It's like, oh. Well, that's well, uh, that's reassuring. <laughs> that's reassuring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, John is. I mean, he's really nervous about this because they're gonna deliberately kill him and stop his heart. <laughs> I mean, he's nervous about dying. Wow. Funny that. Yeah. There. Jeez, don't be such a wimp. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a flesh wound. <laughs> but Aaron says, "I'm not gonna let you down." She's she's determined to you know not have him die. Um, and so she gives him the kill shot. Just whacks like the uh, needle in the side of his neck. Mm -hmm. And it's actually got a delayed uh, reaction because he's sitting there like, hmm, is it supposed to work yet? And the <laughs> I mean, that does make sense. They put it in the neck and it takes a moment for that stuff to reach the heart. <laughs> yeah, so. and then he just collapses and like convulses in the chair because he's been strapped in to one of the um, pilot seats so that mm -hmm. he doesn't get sucked out when they depressurize. And yeah, and, so, then, and so is Aaron, for the same yeah, reason. Yeah, and then Aaron, she uh, puts on her gloves, and I'm like, couldn't you have done this beforehand? <laughs> Did you at least up? wash your hands? I mean, and then she depressurizes, like, could you have done this yeah, before, please? Right, yeah, you. save some time. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, the depressurize, and it's all air rushes out of there. Yes. Um, and so she gets to work, gets to work doing the welding. Oh, because, like we said, um, she doesn't know how to fix anything. She's no tech. And part of the reason it's actually kind of a problem that Erin has to do this is that she doesn't know how to do it. Yeah. John um, has instructed her, but yeah, still. That's, that's actually, that's why this is quite uh, nerve-wracking, because John would know what to do, but he has to be, he has to be dead for the for this. <laughs> For the purpose of this action, John needs to be dead. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, he's had to explain to her what to do. And so she's trying to do it, trying to remember what he said. And uh, like this many seconds, this hold this here. Um and uh basically Aaron runs out of time. Yeah. She, at at some point her the timer that she set in motion so that she knows how much time she has. Four minutes for 180 microns. How does to translate? I don't microts, know. Microts. Uh, microts, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's three minutes, actually, if you directly go to seconds. But I wouldn't worry about it. No. <laughs> and then she just shuts off the welder, uh, lets the oxygen rush back in, grabs the injector, and piping out of nowhere, <laughs> knocks her out. The same tubing that we saw earlier. <laughs> piping is out for... Round two! <laughs> and it won this one, because she gets knocked out. Yeah, so, oh shit. Yeah, because... <laughs> That's like, bad. Oh, Crichton's now getting less... shit. Oh, yeah. Oh man, this is this is all going from bad to worse. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when she eventually comes to, the vial containing the nerve shot to wake him up has been smashed. Because, of course. So, not only is that not... A, I mean... I mean, not only were we sure, weren't sure if that's going to work, that's now not even an option. So no. she has to go straight to the CPR training that uh, John gave her. Yeah, and breathe. Wham. Pump. Chest compressions. I wonder yeah. if he taught her the the song. Like, like I wonder if he taught her Staying Alive <laughs> by the Bee Gees. Because this, <laughs> this is an actual thing. Like, if you are doing CPR on someone, the rhythm of which to do the chest compressions to is the same as Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Like... <laughs> Yes, staying alive. Staying alive. Staying alive. Like that—that's actually a thing. That's the, what they use to train um, people to do first aid. Did, did they do that intentionally, the Bee Gees? I don't think so. <laughs> that would have been cool. <laughs> but but there you go. Fun fun fact and uh, tip: if you ever need to perform CPR, I mean, on someone, which I hope you don't, like no. And if you ever need to perform CPR, make sure you have training in it. Because yes. Okay, like, yeah, that's fair. That is important, actually. <laughs> See, this is not just en entertaining. This is an informational podcast. Yes. <laughs> the more you know. Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, so, uh, she actually she just manages to do it. She manages to um, bring Crichton back, but 
Oh, that was a tense few minutes there. Okay, let's talk about the elephant in the room here. That's not how CPR works. As in, that's... I mean, the motions she did were correct, but it is incredibly rare that somebody wakes up from CPR. Yeah, I mean... The intention of CPR is to keep uh, oxygen flowing through uh, the brain, primarily, so that uh, help can arrive to revive the person. Yeah, I mean, he, he comes to, and uh, so he's okay, he's fine. Yeah, I mean, okay, it's not how that works in reality, but I know this is... It's, t it's TV land. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I allow it in, TVs, in TV and movies just... Because we do science stuff, I wanted to put that out there. Fair enough. How that works. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's sort of he's all right. He's back up and not dead. <laughs> yeah. But because Aaron didn't have time to actually fix the environmentals, they're in no better position than, than when they started, and they're still going to die anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> Half an hour tops. Uh, meanwhile, with Dargo and Stans, who have managed to find the Luxon ship, which we see a pretty nice CG shot of. It's Kind of like it's got curves, but it's got long, spindly parts and mm -hmm. very really, different. Really cool design. Yeah, and it's in the middle of some junk, and Dargo says he dreamt on serving on one of them as a boy. Because it's apparently not a Voyager ship, it's actually a warship, I think? I, Okay. Do Luxons have ships that are not warships? You know what? I bet they don't. Fair point. Okay. <laughs> I yeah, bet they no. don't. Comment redacted. Sorry. <laughs> um... <laughs> And so, yeah, they've got there, they managed to find it before it gets hauled away for junk, uh, but it's, like, next on the list, so mm -hmm. they've got to get in there quickly. Um, meanwhile, with uh, with Crane and Aaron, we also have found out that they have about half an arm of le air left, and back on Moya, Crackage and the other pirates have left because that, because Rigel lost the game and had to give up uh, Stanza's position. Yep. And so they all went about, and Zan is very upset with Rigel for doing that. She's like, how could you... <laughs> You know, give them away. You've sold out, uh, Dargo and. Calm down. I asked. I asked pilot to change the coordinates before I uh, before they come on board. Ah, the ha ship. ha ha! He did the bluff. Bluff them. So Got them. You lost on purpose. Well, it was terribly hard. The guy's a horrible player. <laughs> like yeah, apparently he's terrible. Rigel's <laughs> just punching way below his weight. <laughs> but I. I I love the fact that Rigel basically played the perfect Bard scheme here and just yeah. completely bluffed them out. It's so good. Gave them everything they didn't want to know while thinking they got everything they ever wanted. <laughs> Nicely done, Rigel. Nicely done. And I don't think him being high as a kite was an act, though. So that's... Um, no, that's, that's a, impressive. Yeah, that's extra impressive. He did it while stoned out of his mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, yeah, Krakic has gone and is off in a completely different direction. Yeah, I like that Rigel points out, Oh, shut off DRD, what fit of all of impressive opponents. <laughs> it's like, that's harsh, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Shots fired. <laughs> and back with Stans and Dargo, um, he's like, well, soon you'll have your own assault piercer ship and think of the maps and the mem fibers and you'll be able to find your son and... But Dargo... But the problem is at this point they don't have time because they got um, held back by trying to avoid crackage and getting caught in the flax yeah something we mentioned for m forgot to mention they uh, actually yeah. get caught in the flax at some point and basically have to ram themselves out beating yeah. all parts of the ship <laughs> yeah because Stans knows how to navigate through the flax yeah. as he said uh, very early on um, but it means they only have time to go to one place or the other they yeah. go to and the Luxon ship or get Crane and Aaron. And because they've seen, uh, their sensors showed that the air has vented out of the cabin from the shuttle, they know that something is up there and they need to hurry. Yeah, so they basically have to choose. Um, and Stance is saying, well, you can get your own assault pierce and you'll get your memory fibers and your maps and you'll be able to find your son. And but then Dargo says, but yeah. when I do... I want to be able to look him in the eye. Yeah. And that I quite like. He's like, I'm not I'm not going to go and abandon my uh, comrades. Yeah. Basically. And so, yeah, they uh, they actually have to go get to... So they're going to go get Aaron and Crichton. Mm -hmm. And so we go back to them, and basically Crichton is kind of like telling Aaron that you should have saved yourself because 
uh, if she had continued working, then one of them would have lived, and like she would have lived, and he would have died. Because she least... didn't, na- because she didn't. Now they're both gonna die. Yeah, like one or n- now both die instead of only one. Um, but she says she chose to not be alone, and she doesn't want to die alone. No. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. and they look at each other. Now kiss. <laughs> And they do. <laughs> they do. They start making Malchus, out. They, yeah, they do. Oh, by the way, one point that I was like, oh, come on, guys, continuity. Why wasn't Aaron kissing him on his eyebrow? On the eyebrow? Yes, because Jelena kissed I'm... right now on the eyebrow in PK Tech Girl, which I made me assume that's how peacekeepers kiss. I, I don't even worry about it. <laughs> they could have just... Ah, they they only had to start that bit and then just go back to the mouth kissing and be done with it. But would have been a very clever, good little reference. Ah, well, ah. never mind. No, it's fine. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, now kiss. <laughs> yeah, and she starts on uh, she starts taking off her suit and like oh yeah okay. yeah things are getting. He- I mean, they think they're gonna die. Yeah, makes sense. And I'm like, well, okay, fine. Let's. We've do only this. got half an hour left. Better. <laughs> Just, just make it quicky. Exactly, uh, to tear everything off. <laughs> and, um, and enter Dargo Cockblocker. Dargo! <laughs> He's just, the look on his face is like, um. Yeah. Um. His face is like, were you two gonna. It's like, oh, like, this is, um, this is, oh, um, I should. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, it's not that face. It's the face where he's like, surprise and disgust in equal measure. Like, like the, you two? But you're gonna, like, <gasps> right? Like here? You're like in in the in the cap. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's come, on. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> and even the music, even the music gets comical at this point, <laughs> highlighting how how awkward this scene is. And yeah, Crichton is kind of like, oh, hey, hey, buddy, what what took you so, so long? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Doug is like, I, I needed um someone to. Help me. <laughs> so they manage to get, and so they do actually manage to get them off, and they go back onto Stanza's ship. And Stanza's is tied up, by the way, because <laughs> yeah, Dargo was kind of fed up with him at this point. Yeah, he was being really irritating and just be like, "Go do this thing, hit the thing over there," and just not shutting up, basically. <laughs> I like this. It's a very minor touch because Dargo has talked about how much this ship smells, and as Aaron. Walks in, the first thing she does is reach her hand for her nose, like, oh, God. <laughs> it's just motion, but I love that little detail of uh, Claudia yeah. Black adding that. It's just, oh, yeah, it looks like it stinks, let's be honest. It looks yeah. really filthy. <laughs> yeah, Stance is tied up, and, and he's actually kind of pleading with Dargo. It's like, come with me, Dargo. Yeah. Well, we can go explore, and we can go scrap things together. And Dargo's just kind of laughing it off, and Stance's like, I'm lonely. Everyone needs a mate. And it's like, um, mate. See, my first reaction was, is this, an, like, maybe this is just an Australian, you know. Yeah, you're right, mate. right, mate? You know, oh, mate. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. He's like, Stance is the female of the species. Yeah, like, this is revealing. He's like, <laughs> I am the female of my species. You do know that, right? He's like, uh, oh, this is when we get super awkward doggo. <laughs> I, do, like, I do like, I... Props to Dargo, he doesn't react incredibly gross. He's more embarrassed. Like, yeah. Oh. Oh, I um, didn't. Oh, um. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, that's. I, I no, should I, uh, go. I, I could never. I'm... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Basically, Dargo is speechless and stands is like proclaiming how his love for him is like, oh, I, I love you, Dargo. <laughs> I, I'm actually thinking, like, did the translator microns screw this one up? Like, shouldn't they have translated that as she a lot of the time? Or, or the, other, the other thought could be, like, in uh, the Culture Series books, where it some points get mentioned that there is no difference between genders in how you uh, really? refer to them. I so that could be the microbes being like, okay, we'll just use he for all, I guess. Fine. Mm, I'd have to go back and watch to see if... Or to, no, I'd have to... I checked the second watch through. It never gets mentioned. Uh, no, what, what I mean is I have to go back and check to see if uh, other Zenitans, like Crackage or whatever, uh, refer to Stans as male. Uh, it's like... I keep saying he. 
Hmm. I'm pretty sure. I know that, I know that the rest no she mentioned ever. I know that the rest of the crew certainly do because uh, to no, them... also not Crackage. I specifically checked ah, okay. second, during my second ah, viewing. I made I made a uh, point of checking if they mentioned any of that. Oh, okay. Huh. So there was no reference to that. So I'm I'm guessing the translator microns were like, well, only one pronoun. Fine, we'll use we'll just go with he. Fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's interesting. But I, that would have probably have given away. I mean, I obviously know. they would have given away. Of course, story-wise, they couldn't have said that. Uh, what I would have liked to have seen is like yeah. they only refer to uh, uh, only refer to stands by uh, her name as like stands. Or, yeah. You know, where is stands? Where did you see stands? Like, but anyway, <laughs> it's just... also never corrects them. So it's also, I mean, it's only played for laughs in the sense that it's. Um, Dargo is just super awkward about the whole thing. Yeah. And it's like, I thought I didn't really... Oh, I'm sorry. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way. It's mostly... The joke's mostly on Dargo. In no way does it judge Stans on this one. Because I, yeah. I can totally see Stans being like, yeah, no, this, this relationship might be interesting. I don't think it's a healthy relationship. Probably that, not. They probably wouldn't be right for each other. <laughs> and yeah, so... What I find also funny is like he walks away, like off the ship, really awkwardly, and um, Stans is still tied up. <laughs> like you're not I mean, gonna. No, 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 no. At that point, this happens right after they enter the ship, so I'm assuming they just go to a different part of the ship to wait. We never see Stans get untied. No, so who knows? I'm assuming that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I also like that uh, Stans says. She's considered quite the Zenitan beauty. <laughs> not to be not to be arrogant, but I'm quite a catch. <laughs> and yeah, it's just it's very awkward for everyone involved, really. Yeah. I feel uh, bad for Stans. Yeah. And uh yeah, and then we go back to uh, Moya. Everyone has made it back safely and Hey. Zan's asking Dargo what uh, happened, and Dargo's kind of beating himself up about it because mm -hmm. his indecision nearly cost Crichton and Aaron their lives, and he yeah, only and... just got there in time. And also, he's like, I mean, had I not been this indecisive, I could have either I could have had the maps or John and Cry John and Aaron, and I should have decided sooner because I failed in every every respect. Yeah, he's also says he's given up now his only chance to ever see his son again. Uh, by not getting the fibers and mm -hmm. yeah, it's not a good uh, situation. But no, but you know, it seems like he made the right choice. Though the, the that's why he said, you know, I want to be able to look my son in the eye when I do yeah. find him, because he made the moral choice. Mm -hmm. He did. Yeah, which is which I which I can respect. So yeah, he didn't sell everyone out just to get uh, way home. So you know, that's a change. Yeah. <laughs> what a refreshing change of pace. Ah, <laughs> uh, and then oh then we have the final mm -hmm. scene, which is Yes. Oh, this is this is so good. We have Crichton and Aaron. We have Aaron working at a console, uh up at command, and um Crichton sort of walks in and they're both they're being kind of uh very awkward about the whole thing. It's like, uh it was uh, heat of the moment, uh like yeah, we, we, accident. We, Accident, we were gonna die. It'll never, never happen again. No, I mean, no, no, been, no, 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 never. Had it been you and Darko, it would have the same thing have happened. Or you and San. Yes, it is. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> and then John does something I really love. He walks up to her real close and is like, "But to be clear, you are the female of your species, right?" <laughs> <laughs> and they both kind of smile at it and. Uh... And yeah. uh, and then John walks away, and I love Erin's face after this because she. Looks away, and as he leaves, he, he she looks back, and she just—they both look back at each other, and she both turn away. But we see Aaron's face from the front, and she is smiling. No, that was not a mistake. We're probably gonna, yeah. Or how do we how we feel about this? Preferably not in a life-threatening situation. Okay, so I've watched I've watched this series before. Mm -hmm. You have no idea how hard it has been to not try and foreshadow that until that actually happened. <laughs> I was like, just mean? just pretend, just pretend you don't know that they're that they're going to 
Try oh, and get that. together. <laughs> I knew I knew that was gonna happen. Like I've seen enough that this Yeah. Means... Like I knew this was gonna happen, but I was still very excited watching it. I was like, hey. I mean, I, to be honest, I'm I mean, we have to see how it goes in the next few episodes, but this implies that they're not gonna stretch this out into endlessly, that they keep going, no, 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 okay, fine. <laughs> Like, this implies that the first, that they realize, like, well, it's probably more than just the heat of the moment. It's at least worth exploring. Yeah. That's what, it, what this final scene implied to me. We, I could be wrong. We I, could, think, we I think you're on top. No, I think you're right that, you know, this is, this is going somewhere. This is definitely going somewhere yeah, more than it just... It might not mean that they're going to be shagging next week, next episode. But there's, it's probably like, okay, let's, let's see... Let's take this slow and see where this goes. And like I said, if you are rewatching this series, then you know exactly where this goes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we're trying to be vague about it, but like you know where this goes, and it's. I I'm excited. I know parts I'm, of it. I'm I know, excited like I to. Said, I know the lot the broad strokes. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it again and yeah. seeing it seeing its inception. It's like I've said, it's weird to go back and watch the very early episodes because I remember most of the stuff I remember more clearly is from later on. Mm-hmm. And to actually see this stuff get get a start, get started is just like, oh, oh man. Yeah. I like I like that scene a lot, especially Aaron's smile at the end. Yeah. Like this is that is her pure joy which you rarely see from her. And that's what we end on and uh that's the episode. That's uh, the flags. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. Really liked it. Yeah, this was a really solid episode. You had a bunch of uh, drama. You had a bunch of tension, and it actually moved along pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. Rigel um, got to do some cool shit. Yeah, and we had a really amazing set from. Uh, we had the interior of Stanz's ship, which was mm-hmm. looked really good. We also had the. We also saw the uh, pod. We saw the transport pod. Uh, controls, which was actually I don't think we've seen before. It's like a two-seater, and it's brass, yeah. kind of similar to the inside of uh, Moya, but with like some levers around a central console, and mm-hmm. yeah, like really cool. Basically, it was it was a f- sort of like just those sets. Really, it was like Moya, uh, Stanza's ship, and uh, the transport pod was basically all we saw throughout this whole episode. And but yeah, it was good uh, set, you know, good. Uh, set design and really just yeah, really solid episode. Yeah. What do you I, what do you want to give it? Do you want to give it a score? I'm gonna go for a four out of five. Yep. Like, I, there's a few minor things I'm like eh, keeps it away from a five out of five, but a four out of five is a solid one. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think I also also have to be worried about giving five out of fives out so frequently and so early, because because <laughs> I think. Like, so that we don't have to go back and reevaluate what becomes a four of. I, I've said it before. This is probably there's probably going to be some devaluation of the fours and fives at some point as episodes get better. If that Artificial happens, inflation. If, sorry, inflation. You're right. <laughs> there's going to be some inflation on this. That's I've predicted that from the start. That's going to happen. It's man, the ratings uh, economy is just going down the tang. Yeah, I'm sorry. Story. That's I mean. Not knowing how the episodes well, just to, uh, following are going to pan out, it could be that what used to be a five should have been a four. We'll just print more fives. <laughs> That's how that works, right? <laughs> yeah, that'll solve the problem. <laughs> I don't know. Time was an episode. You you could get uh, three episodes for ten points. Now you have to get fifty of them to get one episode. Oh. Uh. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I would agree with that. Four out of five and. And we are still not disagreeing with Farscape World or the like. General fan consensus seems to also be four out of five. Damn so, it. I mean, hey, it's one a, day, it's one a day, good I'm episode. Disagree with them. <laughs> yeah, I can see it being. What I can see happening is, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that they're going to rate an episode highly that we're going to rate lowly, rather than the other way around. Yeah, that's what I'm expecting as well. But we'll wait and see. But yeah, this was a really good one. Um, yeah, and we've we've developed relationships and oh boy have we ever developed a relationship here Hell yeah that's what i call character development <laughs> <laughs> and so that's going to be a lot of fun to watch that unfold over the next uh over the rest of the series yeah <laughs> but yeah there we go that's this episode that was that was a lot of fun uh i actually i had a lot of fun watching this episode um the uh technical issues of recording aside <laughs> we got it we're there we've got it done yeah. it's, it's, it's a thing it's finished. It's an episode now. Yes, and uh, we hope you enjoyed it. So yeah, 
And that'll be it from us this week. And we'll be back next week, like I said. And the episode we'll be back with is called Jeremiah Crichton. Ooh. Mm. I, I, I've seen a picture of this episode. I'm, I'm going to be interested. It involves Crichton with a beard. Yeah. <laughs> That's the picture I saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he crash. I'll give you a quick, very brief summary. He crash lands on a planet uh, with inhabitants that were run- once ruled by Hynerians. Oh! Yeah! So this is going to be interesting. Nice! So yeah, that'll be next week, and we'll see you then. In the meantime, if you want to uh, support this podcast, uh, you can check out the Carnival Hats Patreon, patreon.com slash Hats, which brings you this podcast, live streams on Twitch, and all my other projects. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Hats. And Red is at Vidalkin in Tree. Yes. And if you want to, you can leave us a comment on our on the YouTube page, which has uh, archives of the uh, archives of the podcast. YouTube.com slash Hats, of course. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Until then, goodbye. Okay, hats, hats. I need you to ram that. Three times every minute. Just three times every minute. Got it. Okay, okay. Three, every second. Every, every second. second. Right, faster, yeah, right, faster. yeah. Ramming it, okay. ramming it. I'm trying to... Work. God, Push it down. Left hand, left hand down. Left hand down. <laughs> right, left hand down. Right hand up. Ah. No, no, left hand. Right Yeah, that's it. That's it. Keep it doing. Work. Yeah. Damn it. We'll work. get the podcast going. We're not going to crash not, again. Not crashing again. Damn. Not this time. Yes. <laughs>